Bruce Smith is the Westland Mayor elected in 2016. He's been a vocal opponent of the government's proposed Three Waters Reform Package. He's also a former regional councillor from the 1990s, a former chairman of Hokitika Airport and a trustee of the Westland Bank. A proud coastie, he's been um, a vocal advocate for the region on the Coast Coasters Club, one of the best regional Facebook pages I'm aware of and attracted some controversy on the on the way through. Uh, Bruce, uh, you, your worship, rather, welcome to Taxpayer Talk. Uh, Jordan, I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, uh, Bruce would go down really well today rather than uh, your worship. It'd be great. <laughs> well, we are. I'm in level four, you're in level three. Um, putting a tie on in a home office feels very um, a, a very strange indeed. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's not often I'm better dressed than a, um, than, than a mayor. Obviously, we've got you on. You you are a some your supporters would say you're a canary in the coal mine. Uh, the Wellington establishment certainly have been have not hold, held back, particularly Nanaya Mahuta's comments on on your concerns about three waters. Take us back to the beginning. Fundamentally, why are you against what the government's proposing uh, in this reform package? Well, I think the government hasn't read the tea leaves properly. And when this proposal was announced, virtually every bit of comment I got from my ratepayers was negative. There's just no way they wanted to have a bar of it. And and I'm talking really big percentages. Now, my role as mayor is to represent the views of my ratepayers to Wellington. It's not my role to sell the ideas that Wellington comes up to to my ratepayers. That's the job for MPs. And uh, I have to tell you, in this entire uh, number of weeks of, and months of discussion, where are the MPs? They're, they're just throwing the, uh, they're throwing the councils uh, into the fire and expect us to do their dirty work. Yeah, we had the last episode. I had um, uh, Simon Court, an ACT MP, on. We're hoping to get Christopher Luxton uh, on to the podcast to talk Three Waters. But I just want to come back to: Do you think that some of the well, do you think parts of the local government sector are captured by the government that they become cheerleaders for whatever the government wants to do? Well, I'm I'm quite convinced that, uh, for instance, local government New Zealand has simply been advocating for the government instead of listening to the councils. We are, after all, the members listening to us because we listen to our ratepayers and, uh, and our residents. And uh, the, there's no question in my mind that uh, the, the, there are a number of sectors that have been hijacked. It's changing now, but I'm very unhappy with uh, some of the leadership that's coming out of that area. Well, I'm very relieved to hear that about Local Government New Zealand. Just in, in case listeners aren't sure what that is, Local Government New Zealand, as well as being um, our neighbours in, in our building in Wellington, they're the peak body for the well, – it's, it's really the sort of professional association of the councils, isn't it? They lobby on councils' behalf, and we're often very concerned that they – in fact, we're never aware of them sort of lobbying for ratepayers' interests. It's always lobbying for the professional – politicians or the bureaucrats and in, in their interests but of course 
they're a hundred percent ratepayer funded, but um, have a special carve out from official information uh, laws, which we find quite incredible. Just come back. You said that the tide might be turning. Do you, what do you, what has the response been from other from other councils, councillors, and mayors around the country to your opposition? There have been uh, a number of mayors who have. Uh, um, regularly joined me on Zoom to discuss how best we can represent our ratepayers with this matter. Um, We are are quite convinced that there's over 35 mayors that uh, don't feel that the... uh, the Well, that's about half. That's about Uh, half. I think it's over. Okay. uh, uh, Jordan, I think it's well over half now. Uh, and I, and they don't believe that this proposition adds any value to our ratepayers. So I, I talk with uh, this group on a regular basis. The group is expanding. I'm very, very happy for people. If, if people, once they're informed, want to opt in, that's absolutely fine. We've started in Westland. Uh, th- there's been controversy over whether we should consult and that's come out of Wellington. It hasn't come out of us or any other council. So we made the decision that we would engage. And uh, last evening we had a, uh, a Zoom engagement meeting with, uh, with our community, answering questions. I have to tell you that within the three days of opening the, the engagement, 97% of the people in West, Westland who have made a submission have said, no way. And in fact, I couldn't convey to you some of the responses. That's an incredible number, isn't it? What are the concerns? I mean, we've, we've, we're sort of focusing a little bit on the politics of it, but fundamentally, what are the concerns that, that you and the other mayors that are coming out against this, um, what is being expressed by the community or what are your concerns about the, the reform package? Well, I guess, uh, look, firstly, the the reform package is purely political, so it's no it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that there's a political response, and and that political response, of course, comes from pressure from our ratepayers. When you look at uh, the the impacts of uh, taking um, a third of our assets, paying us eight cents in the dollar. In fact, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a it's a disgrace, and people just simply aren't going to uh, aren't going to go with it. We look at the suggestion that's coming out of Wellington that says, "Look, these assets are not going to disappear; they're going to be owned by the same people, the people of New Zealand." Now, that's a lot of rubbish. In actual fact, the assets were paid for by the people of Westland. In our case. And they were, and they're owned by the people of Westland, and our people are not going to allow them to be transferred into some sort of commercial entity that gets mortgaged to the hilt uh, for no uh, benefit that we can see. The, the governance issue is terrible. I mean, the people of Westland, the people of the West Coast, uh, will go from having really good water. In our case, we're, we're very proud of our water. Most of our water supplies are under 10 years old. And uh, so our people will go from having con- uh, a democratic control of the supply of their water to having no say. And iwi will have 
a 50% say and a right of veto. And, and I've got to say that that's, that doesn't make any sense. Not so one of the I, I'm I'm going to be devil's advocate here yep. and say that you know coming out of the Department of Internal Affairs, which is the agency that ad- advise ministers on on local government, they say that successive governments have acknowledged of uh, over the last few decades of problems with councils constantly run into around management of water assets. Obviously, the three people that died, thousands of people getting sick in Havelock North. But even financial problems. Kaipra is the is the poster child of this. But even um, like I've mentioned before, Wanganui getting into trouble is every few years there's a council making a once in a generation um, procurement or, or, or building a, a a new asset or replacing a, a a major infrastructure asset, and they stuff it up. They fluff it up because they don't have the internal skills. They don't have the uh, the economies of scale for running big uh, asset portfolios. Do you accept that there is a need for some amalgamation or that there could be efficiencies? It's one of those few areas in government where perhaps bigger could be better? If we look at uh, the call that that this uh, reform has come about because of what happened at Hastings, there was nothing 40 years before that and there's been nothing since. I'm 69. I don't know anybody in Westland or on the coast, who's gone to uh, hospital because of sickness from water. We can drink our water from the rivers up and down the coast. So we don't buy at all that the case for change has been made. Uh, There may well be uh, in where there's masses of people all all looped together, like in Auckland or in in the major centres, maybe Wellington, there may well be a case for amalgamating their services. Uh, we've looked at it on the coast and the figures that we came up with showed that there were no advantages in a small area like the West Coast and that uh, it would also need to get through the democracy issue. And the democracy issue is, is look, if we've got a rate payer who's writing a cheque out for his rates, he wants his money spent locally, he wants it spent soundly and he wants some form of accountability and uh, they've, our ratepayers have reached the conclusion that all of that will be gone in this massive reorganisation adventure that uh, is being promoted. And as I said, government has not read the tea leaves. So again, to be devil's advocate, yep. Uh, and this is, and I've brought this up before that you know, I, seldom do I agree with Mayor Phil Goff, but even a broken clock is right twice a day, and uh, he has pointed out that at least. In relation to Auckland, what it would see is enormous cross subsidisation from Auckland, in our case, to Northland, which would be under the same water company, water provider. Uh, and for the West Coast, for example, wouldn't ratepayers benefit in the West Coast from being part of a larger water network where, say, Cantabrians or um, CBD ratepayers in Christchurch would be? I'm not 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 defending this, but. Some would argue that that cross subsidisation would actually help small communities like yours, where your water infrastructure is disproportionately expensive because you have low population density. Do you accept that, or do you think that that's um, that the, the issue the co- of cross subsidisation is is uh, very relevant? Uh, will it benefit Westland? No. Will it benefit other areas? Uh, yes. 
there are there are a number of councils around the country who have uh, underinvested in their freshwater supplies and their water plants. Uh, in, in Westland's case, well, ours, e- e- even large cities do that. Look at Wellington. Uh, Wellington's uh, Wellington's a disgrace, and and um, you know, in, in our case in Westland, uh, each of our eight water treatment plants are under ten years old. You know, we, we're very proud. Be unu- that would be pretty unusual. Um, uh, it could uh, it could well be, but that's I have to tell you, Jordan, that's not my concern. Our, our council has invested uh, heavily in three waters. And of course, like every other council in New Zealand, um, we've just done the LTPs and the amount of investment, the increased investment hasn't even been calculated in the figures produced by DIA. So the the latest LTP figures are not in there. So with, uh, with these proposed reforms, if your assets get bundled into this um, in, into this package, I, I should have checked before on on our league tables, but does Westland carry much debt on his books because it's got new assets? Has it got the sort of corresponding high debt on the other side? Or oh. well, my question is, what does your balance sheet look like? And if you go into the reforms and lose the assets, would your debt also be rolled into this new water company? The uh, we have one hundred and seventeen million dollars of uh, of three water assets. And about seven million dollars of debt. Oh wow, that's low. Um, okay. But the, but the biggest concern for us is that uh, we have six million dollars of revenue um, in our um, in our water supplies and our three water supplies, and a lot of that revenue comes from big organisations like Westland Milk, who are a major user, and in many ways they subsidise every person in Westland. That's why our water rates are probably as cheap as they are. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, one size just simply doesn't fit all. Mm. Okay, so let's let's go back to, you've covered co-governance, you've covered the, it seems fundamentally you're, um, you're a Democrat. You think that, uh, that even putting aside potential benefits or, or maybe not around cross-subsidisation, fundamentally it sounds like you want the local community to own the assets that they've paid for, uh, and you'd argue that unlike some parts of the country, your assets haven't been mis- uh, mismanaged. What do you think, putting this back into the government's court, what has their response been to the sort of growing opposition within the sector uh, over over recent months? And what do you think that what do you think is going to happen next? Well, I guess uh, the councils collectively wrote to Minister Mahuta. Firstly, in in relation to that disgusting $3.5 million cartoon that appears on uh, TV, uh, suggesting that slime comes out of uh, the showers and and that uh, trout don't like dirty water, uh, we got an emphatic no that weren't prepared to change that. Uh, We have a number of... This is the condescending... uh... Our oh, television campaign that oh, if, it's all look, cartoons if, and that you know it's there's a utopia waiting for us if we if we go through the, with this reform apparently it, it uh, the majority look the number of people that feed back and throw stones at that um, particular cartoon uh, advertising campaign was bizarre and of course you've got government out there pouring three and a half million into these silly things and at the same time saying 
we don't really we don't want you to consult with your communities yet because the definition of consult means you really need all of this information first before you can consult. Uh, however, we haven't given you the information, uh, and but, at the same. But but will they? I mean, it's I mean, the, normally for a big decision, councils go out. I think it's called the special consultative procedure. They yep. go out. They have to present the options to the community, and then take submissions. Is, will that process happen for this? Well, well, in our case, so uh, um, we employed. Uh, consultants to have a look at the figures that were put together by DIA. They're so far out, it's an embarrassment. The, the, the figures are just so far out. We will not um, make a decision uh, to opt in without full consultation with our people. And, in fact, we've been advocating, uh, some of our councillors and myself, advocating for a binding referendum from our, our ratepayers. And we... We also strongly believe that the problem with local councils and local democracy is that it's being eroded. And it gets eroded because every year more and more activities are transferred down from Wellington, but there's no check that comes with it. So there's a rule that says you've got to do X and it costs money to um, it costs money to put in place. Our ratepayers pick up the have to pick up the cost there. We believe that every activity that gets downloaded from government should actually have a response from our ratepayers before we as councillors decide that, yes, we can, we'll implement this. And I know that we're told that legally government can do what it wants. We're saying our people need to have a say. Otherwise, this is going to go bad places. Yeah, this is particularly our our Tauranga uh, branch, the Tauranga Ratepayers Alliance, are particularly vocal about this because, from their perspective, it's even worse that the ultimate decision makers uh, of whether to hand assets to Wellington uh, were literally appointed by Wellington to replace their democratically elected councillors. And I understand that you might be talking to them, or perhaps level de- level dependent might be going to um, to have a chat to that. In fact, we may post this podcast on uh, onto their page because it's particularly relevant uh, in in Tauranga, where costs are absolutely skyrocketing, and they don't have the democratic ability to to hold anyone uh, uh, to account. Just come back to my my question. I guess that there was a sweetener for which perhaps you could explain it uh, to us. Uh, announced at the local government conference a few months ago, uh, you mentioned was it seven percent in the dollar or eight eight cents in the dollar for the transfer of assets? This is the second sweetener. The first sweetener occurred when government came to us and said we'd like to investigate uh, three waters reform, and in your case, we're going to give you six point nine million dollars in exchange. We'd like you to supply us detailed information about your Three Waters assets and there is no obligation in any form outside of that. We looked at it very, very carefully, got legal advice on it. We took the money. The money had to be spent on Three Waters assets, so we hooked right into it. At the local government uh, conference, which was a conference that uh, I'm not fussed on conferences, but it's a conference that I went to where we were talked to. We We weren't part of it. We were talked to. And uh, 
To me, you, was... you did better than us. No, no ratepayer organisation has ever been allowed to attend said local government conference. So you're doing at least at least you get talked to. <laughs> well, the best part of the, the, the last conference was actually the uh, the final night. It was it was a great night, but the conference itself, we we were talked to and we were advised about the uh, the sweetener from uh, government, which was uh, two billion dollars. In actual fact, roughly two point five when you took the other five hundred million in, and the the uh, a million of the, that money would come from government, and um, uh, sorry, uh, half uh, half of that uh, one billion of that money would come from government, and one billion would be borrowed by the water entity and given to us, uh, which meant that the ratepayer, the water user was paying the incentive back to us. Of course, yes. It, it was it was quite bizarre. We could it would be carried forward on the on the on the new entity's books to yep. then be paid for by presumably a, a direct water charge or a water water care style charge uh, that, across the regions. That's it. And so we were also advised that the um, the water um, that the money could be used for anything. And so <laughs> In our case, that's that was eleven billion, eleven million dollars on one hundred and seventeen million dollars worth of assets. Um, as I said, we were we were informed you don't have to worry about the rest; it'll just disappear off your balance sheet. You're not going to get shares in anything. You're not going to get anything. But don't worry; the people will still own all of the assets. Quite well, they, again, they say that the council, the ownership, will remain in council's hands. What's your response to that? Well, it's nonsense. It's it's complete nonsense. Where's my share certificate? Where's my ownership? It's it's a fluffy, fluffy statement that that kind of fits in with the one size fits all. And uh, look, we're doing this. We're, we're all all in this for a group hug. Well, we're not in it for a group hug. We're in it to do the best we can for our ratepayers, and we and we are conveying, I hope, as strongly as we can their views to Wellington. Good on, good on you. This is the thing, this is my pet, one of my pet bugbears that in property law, you know, the, the first lecture is what is what is property? And property is simply the concept is a bundle of rights. And I looked at, at this and often politicians say, yes, but the government or the public or the councils will still own it. But they've removed all those rights so what what is left? Because in this case, councils wouldn't be appointing the directors. Instead, they'd be appointing an independent group to appoint the directors, which is just removes any form of account, accountability. And then the other half of the control would be, as you say, the iwi appointees. But again, you know, councils own and in in in, um, uh, in, in, in quote marks or um, but. Don't have don't have the normal rights of as you say shareholders um, to appoint or sack directors. Um, if the government chooses to run roughshod over consultation, and there's certainly a real risk that the government simply uh, could even be under while we're in COVID restrictions, just legislates over it to take the assets from councils and and move them. How do you think the sector or the 35 mayors will respond? And what do you think the likelihood of that happening will be? Um, I, I think that um, 
politically, it would be absolutely disastrous for this government because our people and the people around New Zealand will rise in opposition to it like you've never seen before. You cannot steal the assets of people who have legally paid for them and get away with it. So, Bruce, what should or can listeners around the country do to stop this or to have their say? Well, look, uh, Jordan, I'm only uh, one mayor and and I represent the the people of of Westland. But a a number of uh, my followers are around the country and I keep saying to them, you should be corresponding, emailing, phoning your mayor, phone your councillors. If you've got a concern about three waters, pick it, you know, don't sit back and remain silent. Absolutely critical. Bruce, you're clearly a uh, something that's pretty unusual to find in local government in your sector, and that is uh, a, a being proud to stand up to Wellington for your local community and be the voice uh, uh, against, in this case, those in the big corridors of power in Wellington. Thanks for joining Taxpayer Talk. Jordan, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.